You know, this is a response uh, to you guys, the fans. We were uh, creating so much content for Star Wars, Clone Wars, and uh, when we finished the series, you guys just kept saying, we want more, we want more, save the Clone Wars. Yeah. And I hear you. I know they're tucked away in my office at Lucasfilm. We see the cries, the need for more blasting, more clone troopers, lasers firing. What you're going to watch are four episodes that we shot about a band of clone troopers that are actually different from the rest, different in ways that we've never seen in Clone Wars before. It was an idea George had uh, towards the end of the series and something we were going to go forward with uh, with more than one episode arc for sure. Experimental unit Clone Force 99. The defective clones with uh, desirable mutations. 99, eh? Huh. Nice touch. They call themselves the Bad Batch. points is jason and this is gabe we're talking about the bad batch episodes one and two i think we're the first star wars podcast to talk about the bad batch episodes <laughs> nobody else has done it yet yeah people weren't really into it i don't think they're busy it's like why why would why would we talk about that i think it's taken us a week to absorb all the nutrients out of uh, the first two episodes these things take time it, t- it takes time to go to for things to go into effect, you got to give it time to let it simmer. It's like a fine wine. You got to age it for a little while. Got to let it breathe so you get the bouquet. <laughs> We've been inhaling Bad Batch for a week now, savoring it. Stirring it around in the cup. What that people do, looking at it, looking at the color, sniff, sniff it, then stir it some more, and then sniff it again. That's what, that's what we've been doing. For the past week with Bad Batch. This smells like new Star Wars. Watching it on my TV on Disney Plus and I go up and I sniff the screen. It's not, it's it's not ready yet. Three more days and then. (laughs) I think Tom Spina is going to call us at any moment and interrupt our wine talk. I don't know what. It's a theme going on here. When there's new Star Wars stuff, someone's always whining. (laughs) We're getting 
getting a head start. So long story short, we've been enjoying the heck out of the Bad Batch for the past week. It's been a strange road kind of with the Bad Batch because when it was announced, what was it, last summer? I remember it was kind of met with a mixed, lukewarm kind of reaction. It was kind of like, oh, next anime show is Bad Batch? Uh, that's going to be that. It's going to be cool. I think after the season seven arc of episodes, I think most of us kind of thought, okay, they did it. They did their Bad Batch episodes. Cool. And Clone Wars is done. What was it? Clone Wars is done again for the second time. It's like Star Wars was over. Okay, I can move on. Oh, wait, Star Wars is back. It's like Clone Wars is over. Oh, it's back. Now it's over again. But now it's back. Star Wars is over, 1983. Oh, it's back. And then Star Wars is over, 2005. Oh, wait, it's back. Yeah. We should know better by now. (laughs) No one's ever really gone. But yeah, if you would have asked me, what do you want the next animated thing to be? Or do you think there'll be a sequel to Clone Wars? And if there is, what will it be? I don't think I would have thought about Bad Batch. Especially going back to when just the rough animatic versions of Bad Batch were all we had of Bad Batch floating around on YouTube. But now that it's here, it's like, of course, this is going to be the sequel to Clone Wars. It makes perfect sense now that I've seen it. I feel like what's really getting me with this show is... Yeah, it's about these characters, it's about the Bad Batch, it's about the misfit clones, the 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 deviants, as they say. But it's also shedding a light on this period of Star Wars history, which it's like when you think of like the most interesting periods of Star Wars history, I feel like this immediate aftermath of the Clone Wars is kind of, in the past, maybe was just kind of glossed over. But really, when they're in just two episodes, and especially the first one in Aftermath, them really kind of digging their heels into, okay, well, yeah, what did happen to the clones? Which has been such a big question for a while. And how would clones remaining after the end of the Clone Wars that, that didn't have the chip, how do they fit into this new world, this new society, and this new like police state that is spreading across the galaxy i don't it's just really fascinating well it's clever because it's almost like i think we talked about until the end of season seven you didn't really realize or at least i didn't really realize how much the clone wars really was about the clones and like the tragedy of the clones kind of losing their individuality and it ending you know the the biggest downer of the end of it was just how really all the clones were the were the biggest victims and it makes perfect sense moving on to have this sequel to clone wars be from the clones that escaped perspective in a way so it's like of course the bad batch makes sense now it's like oh yeah this it makes perfect sense because it's carrying on the core story of who are all these clones and it does it in a very interesting way that also kind of starts to mirror rebels a little bit. And this is almost like time frame wise. It is like the bridge between clone wars and what we see in rebels, but also kind of the format of the show is like, if you took rebels and clone wars and mix them together, because you have this small 
almost like a family that's the show's focused on this small group of people as opposed to the Clone Wars where you would jump around from character to character. And now we're getting to see, like you said, this time period right after episode three into the original movies or I guess Rogue One and Rebels. It just makes sense now. And much like Rebels 2, when the, that show was announced, everyone's just like, oh, it's going to be the early days of like the Rebel Alliance and stuff. And it turned out to be, you know, a much smaller, more personal story where by the end of Rebels, you're crying when <laughs> with Kanan and Hera. All right. And even you can say the same thing with The Mandalorian when, of course, when The Mandalorian was announced, it's going to be it's going to be dark, man. It's going to be the dark, greedy adventures of a bounty hunter. And no. And I love that Bad Batch is two episodes in now. And, you know, it's the Dad Batch, really, is what's going on. What's so perfect with that is in Attack of the Clones, what's the only thing that Jango Fett wanted? He didn't want money. He wanted to be a dad. So you have all these people who are clones of this guy who really wanted to be a dad. So, of course, all the clones are going to want to be dads, too. And it's just, it's so perfect that there's a squad of dads, like you said, the dad badge. But then also, as we get into episode two with Cut, it's like, it's another clone who realized more than being a soldier, he just wanted to be a dad. And it's like, it's all because that was Django. He wanted to be a dad more than anything else. So it's like, of course, this is how the show's going to end up. You know, I didn't think of that, but <laughs> that's totally, <laughs> they're genetically programmed to be the dad batch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that kind of leads us into, before before we start getting into Aftermath and Cut and Run and, and talking about some of the highlights from both of those episodes, I think that leads us into the next Big thing with the show is our our new character, our wonderful new addition, Omega, which there's a there's a lot of talk out there. There's a lot of theories, a lot of imagine that it's Star Wars with Omega, but we're only two episodes in. I'm fascinated by Omega. I know we gave what how are you feeling with Omega so far? No, she's great. I was super excited when we first saw her in the trailer because it's Star Wars there should be kids in it. And I was happy that it wasn't just the Bad Batch. It was Bad Batch and a kid. And now that I have actually seen her and her character, she's great. I like that she has a, a true Star Wars name because she's because of her accent, she says Omega and everyone else says Omega. So it's like already a perfect Star Wars name. It's just great too because it goes into, you know, there's always Star Wars stuff always has a little bit of like the found family stuff and rebels was all about, you know, these different people coming together to be a family. But the cool thing with bad batch is they really are a family because they're all genetically related. Not that other families aren't real, but it is, you know, they are related family, which has a little, I don't know, different dynamic to it. And I don't know. It's fun to see her bounce off the rest of the, the Bad Batch, and I think they did such a good job of making her just as different as each other Bad Batch member was from each other. I love having a kid in the group because, yeah, it brings it back to the reminder that in the end, this is for kids. Yeah. I always think it's fascinating the people complaining about the, well, I don't want kids in Star Wars. Star Wars should grow with me and be dark and 
bitter like I am now or something that, well, in the end, you know, chances are these people all got into Star Wars when they were kids. And she is absolutely fascinating and she's great and she's funny. And she is creating this air of mystery, this other layer of what is exactly going on with her because she was on Camino. She was with Nala C as the medical assistant. And I mean, she has blonde hair. She's I the first female clone that we've seen. The show isn't subtle about saying that she is a clone and she is a clone of Django, but she's a clone that is female and is her being female what they were trying to do what's the is there something else like there's layers of mystery to how is she a clone of Django and why is she so different than the others and they're also not being subtle hinting that she may have some sort of force ability it's easy to kind of think I feel like when when Aftermath first came out I was 100% like oh my god they're connecting it to the Palpatine clone. And I never thought about the fact that like maybe Ray's dad wasn't from Mexico. Maybe he was on Camino and that's how he escaped. I started falling down that, that dark, dark hole. <laughs> and I kind of had to remind myself that always in star Wars, it's always the simplest answer. <laughs> My thoughts on that have softened a little after the second episode, after cut and run. Because we learn a little bit more about what she knew because she was working with the uh, Kaminoans on the science stuff that she knew all about the chip and Order 66 stuff that, you know, the first time watching Aftermath when she's talking to Crosshair, I was like, oh, man, it's like she can see the future. But then after the second episode, it was like, well, maybe she's just smart enough to realize that the chip's making him do this. But that still doesn't explain her being such a good shot. But in the end, it's a Dave Filoni show, and he's going to just mess with us for as long as he can before we have to find out if if all of our theorizing is leading to something. Nala C lets her go. And in the end, when Nala C is talking to Lama Su, the the conversation is basically like, well... We don't have to worry too much about Omega until we learn just exactly what the Empire wants with her. Which, I, when they said that, I was like, huh, what does the Empire want with her? And then, of course, that got me going down again and falling into that black pit of thinking about clone tanks in the Mandalorian things with the people with the Camino outfits on. Then I started thinking again, if Grogu was a clone of Yoda and I was just sitting there and it was early in the morning on a Tuesday and I'm thinking these crazy thoughts and I'm like, Oh my God, is this whole thing just about clones? And then I had to go outside and <laughs> throw a glass of water in my face. Yeah. It's not going to get any better. So I think you just, you need to keep, keep water handy at all times. Well, cause I kept, that made me think too. I mean, maybe we're jumping ahead, but who cares? That scene at the end just kind of messed with my head too. Cause it's like, well, wait a second in attack of the clones, right? The, the Kaminoans, which they've been nice enough to say on the show a couple times now. So we know the right way to say it. They kind of, who did they really work for? Well, yeah, because they say that Sifo Dias ordered the clone army 
for the Republic. And when Obi-Wan Kenobi shows up, they're just like, oh, cool, it's another Jedi. Well, we'll give you the status report on where we are with your order. Just about ready to ship. But then by the time the Clone Wars show goes on, they know all about the chip. They know all about what the the chip does. By the time Fives gets there in season six and starts raising hell, (laughs) trying to warn everybody about what's coming with Order 66... They know what's up. And I remember watching that being like, oh, my God, are the Caminos jerks this whole time? Nobody told me. I liked them so much. I wanted to go there. But maybe I don't anymore. Maybe I don't want to hang out with Lama Sue. Yeah, the whole Camino thing is really interesting. When did they know what they what they know? How did they know it? Where? How did they get there? And how exactly does Omega fit into this? And then, yeah, you think of what in The Mandalorian now because – Glasses guy, he's still wearing the Camino patch. There's still cloning stuff going on. I mean, even after the end of the original trilogy, way, way later, I mean, there is the Palpatine clone. Are the Kaminoans dealing directly with Sidious? And we just don't know it yet? And are they confused by Tarkin being there because he's not who they were dealing with before? Or... Are they seeing what happened to the separatists and thinking that they're going to get double crossed next? They were dealing with like Count Dooku. Yeah. So I guess what this all leads to is that we thought the insane, nonsensical craziness of Sifo-Dyas and the Kaminoans and the clones was a thing of the past. And if Aftermath is telling us anything, is that that story is not over yet. And there is still mysterious secrets with the Kaminoans and Camino and clones. And yeah, Omega is right in the middle of it. Which, you know, and all of this kind of brings back my overarching feelings on the Bad Batch. And I watched Aftermath on Tuesday morning. And I, I, I think I had like an out-of-body experience because, yeah, the whole time I was just thinking these crazy deep thoughts about clones and Sifo-Dyas and like all this stuff. And it's just Star Wars magic because it's still makes me feel really warm and fuzzy because it's still like it's Clone Wars Part Two and therefore it's still kind of prequel stuff and it's still Camino and clone troopers and prequel stuff. But Tarkin is on Camino sitting in a Camino chair and it's like the original trilogy clashing with the prequel trilogy and yeah and it's making me think about mandalorian and the sequel trilogy and it's all star wars running through my head at once and that's the thing that i didn't think the bad batch would really be doing and it makes me feel really good about it all (laughs) and it's like for someone who wasn't watching clone wars originally when it came out and for someone who went to the Clone Wars movie in August 2008 or whatever it was. And was like, I don't I, I got to go home and rethink my whole life. I just don't know anymore. The fact that, yeah, I'm like, no, that's it. Okay. Bad batch. I'm getting up at six in the morning on Fridays to watch this show. Now I'm, I'm a hundred percent invested and I'm going back and I'm watching the deserter again. And I'm like, you don't say <laughs> 2008 me, I think would be proud a little bit shocked, but overall proud of how awesome the Bad Batch has been. Just two episodes in. Yeah, and it's just so cool to think about that 
eventually, if not Bad Batch, something in the animated universe is going to catch up to Rebels, and we're going to have this huge continuous story from the end of Attack of the Clones all the way through to the beginning of A New Hope and get to see that just transition from the Jedi and the Republic into the Empire. And I don't know, it's just, it's cool that, you know, for so many years thinking that Clone Wars was just done and that story was done and that we were moving on to the future that... We can still move on to the future, but we can also still jump back to these stories. And it, yeah, it feels like we never left. So the process uh, began in the room. George had a very specific vision of this motley crew and one of the things that uh, informed the writing for both Matt and myself was that as we were breaking the stories Dave was sketching all of the characters and they came to life right there in the room when I got back to my office to actually have to write the scripts off the outlines the characters were already born I already saw their personalities their identities I could already hear their voices just based on those amazing sketches that you did. George would kind of come up with these classic movie references that, you know, you would go and do your homework. And I remember we came in one morning and he wanted to do a kind of like version of the Dirty Dozen with clones. And so Brent and I sat down and I think over the next couple of weeks kind of, you know, worked with Dave and, and fleshing out the kind of backstory for these guys. And um, we're just, we're very proud of it. And I got to thank Dave and Lucas for being able to show these episodes. Yeah, I think we can start uh, talking about some of the highlights, some of the recaps of the first two episodes. We can start right away with with Aftermath. And I know the first thing, I was really happy to see the new like Mandalorian helmet style opening, but now just for the animated shows. I was like, oh, we're doing that now. And it was like the first thing is General Grievous, and there's like Bucket and Chopper and Crosshair and... Ezra and I think Bo-Katan was in there. It was just like, oh, that's great. They know now when we hear that sound in the morning, we start drooling. <laughs> it's new showtime. I'm ready. Gotta pay attention. Oh, boy. Here, here we go. So, something heavy is coming. Get my last drink of coffee in because it's going to be a while before I get a chance, before I even breathe. <laughs> Sit forward on the couch. Oh. Well, and after that, it was cool to start with uh, the new season seven red Clone Wars logo and it burns away to the new era of Bad Batch. And just the little red word on the screen aftermath. It's like, oh, uh oh. Oh, and also starting out right away too with the news announcer Clone Wars opening. War continues. Oh, with straight up out of Revenge of the Sith scenes. Oh, so okay. Whoo, that I had a rule during like Mandalorian episodes, like if something awesome happened, I was like, okay, I'm not going to stop it and rewind it because I want to treat this like I'm in a movie theater and you can't stop and rewind a movie when you're in the theater. I'm like, I'm going to watch it again because Mandalorian episodes, I would always watch twice in a row. And I was like, okay, I'm going to keep this same rule for Bad Batch because already in the first 
one minute we got this Clone Wars opening, but animated Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> I broke my rule and I rewound it because honestly, my eyes couldn't believe it. Yeah, because if you squint, it's like they just took clips out of the movie, but then you don't squint. You're like, wait, it's Clone Wars version of Revenge of the Sith. Grievous in the shuttle with his twirling his fingers. Obi-Wan on the bridge, cutting up battle droids. And then my favorite was Anakin cutting the handcuffs off Palpatine and Palpatine. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I, I was honestly like, did they just do that? Like r- r- rubbing my eyes. <laughs> well, and that's it, you know part of the fun new, too, thinking back to when Clone Wars first came out, where it was like they could only add like one new model or character an episode and here they made like scenes for revenge of the sith just for this little flashback just because we can oh so yeah right away you know it's like oh this show's playing for keeps and then we go to the snowy planet of collar and we got jedi master depa and in comes right away, you know what's coming, and in sliding comes Padawan Caleb Doom, and it's like, oh, oh, oh so that's that's how we're playing too. All right, it's like he just chugged a Mountain Dew, and he's snowboarding down a mountain. Extreme Caleb, <laughs> I wouldn't want him any other way. <laughs> to the extreme, and yeah, who who did he find for reinforcements? Of course. He's going to track down the Bad Batch because they're his kind of dudes. <laughs> they're totally extreme. They're to the max. <laughs> you know, and it was really good to hear wacky battle droids again, which maybe could possibly be one of our last time hearing Matt Wood's wacky battle droid talk. Giving us a, another little goodbye to the Clone Wars era. That we're having fun. There's wacky battle droids. There's Caleb Doom to the extreme. And then right away, it's... Just the highway to Bummertown and it's Order 66 all over again, just making us suffer through it. For the, for the third time now with counting the movie, right, I think? <laughs> if you throw Jedi Fallen Order in there, it's like the fourth, fifth time. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's a lot of Order 66 watching beloved Jedi get surrounded by clone troopers. And yeah, this one was really rough with Depa screaming. And I thought about the comic for a second, but then I was like, it, it's all fake and it's all in space and none of it's real. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's close enough to the comic. There's order 66. Depa gets killed. He runs away. There's just the bad batch this time. And hunters are trying to help him and crosshairs trying to kill him. And it's even, you know, I think that's even more reason why he wouldn't trust clones because it's not even that they're bad. It's like there was one clone trying to be nice and the other one trying to kill him. It's like, what? I don't know what's going on. But seriously, what a great way to open this show, though, because there's all the stuff with, like, Wrecker taking the tanks over the side of the mountain. It's all fun and games and good times and reminding us of the fun of the Season 7 arc of Bad Batch. And then all that stuff with them going down, like, the side of that snowy mountain. Yeah, where it is just Hunter and Crosshair hunting down Caleb Dune and a character that we know he's going to get away because we know he's Kanan, but also it's like, don't, don't hurt him. <laughs> you know, it's Kanan because we love him. We didn't know after the end of, I think we were talking about it where it's like, well, what, what happens to the bad batch after order 66? And the fact that like crosshair has got like order 66 light, 
and just Hunter being like, what's the matter with you? If the helmets didn't get your attention in the beginning or animated Revenge of the Sith didn't get your attention, it's like, oh, wow, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, and I was not expecting that, that, you know, I guess I just assumed it's the Bad Batch. They're, they're a group. They're the A-team, whatever. The show's going to be all of them together. And it never crossed my mind that one of them would maybe be affected by Order 66. And not only did, you know, Order 66 kill all the Jedi, it, it kind of ripped their little Bad Batch family apart because, you know, Crosshair was always kind of a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> but now he's like, you know, by the end of the episode, he's a full on villain. He went from being a brother to being their nemesis. And I don't know, that's pretty cool. I was not expecting that. I was even thinking that even in Cut and Run in the second episode where you know, we're jumping ahead. But like you said, who cares? Where When they're trying to escape and it's other clone troopers shooting at them so that they can't leave the planet. We're seeing... Even by the second episode, other clone troopers acting more like stormtroopers. Yeah, and they're playing up the, they're only the white armor now. All the customization, all of that's gone. And it still looks like Revenge of the Sith stormtroopers. It looks like prequel era, but they are, yeah, they are acting like stormtroopers. And I think kind of the whole aesthetic of the show is kind of cool of seeing the prequel style stuff, but it feels like I'm watching rebels in a way with the way the uh, Imperial clones are behaving. So the bad batch, they go back to Camino. They're like, Whoa, that was weird. Let's go back home. And then as soon as they get to Camino, they see like a body on a stretcher and it drops a lightsaber. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. They're going through the white hallways of Camino, which is always a beautiful sight. And then they got to go to like a big assembly and they're watching Palpatine. And th- I think this is the kind of thing that didn't help with my my black hole of thoughts on that Tuesday morning. Because as Palpatine is given his speech, like kind of right behind Palpatine's head is Omega peeking out like, hello. <laughs> See, I was too distracted by Palpatine's eyes. He's <laughs> like... <laughs> glowing eyes in the shadow of his hood was just like, oh. And I do like the part where he's like, it's left me deformed. And I think it's Wreckers. Like, you can say that again. But you get the sense that why, like, people, just normal people in Star Wars world would just be like, oh, man, those Jedi, really, they really did mess up kindly Senator Palpatine. He looks terrible. <laughs> what does Jedi do? I never understood that Jedi magic anyways. Wow. And I guess the Clone Wars is, are over, and I guess we need, like, this, you know, more control over the galaxy. We just got out of a war. It all makes sense to me. In order to ensure the security and continuing... What is it? The Republic will be reorganized into the first... Nothing. Galactic Empire! Galactic Empire? For safety! Yeah, and then in comes Tarkin. Yeah, like we said, he's sitting in the Camino chair. Tarkin does not like the clones. I was just having a good time, just like, man, look at that cartoon Peter Cushing. <laughs> he looks so good. <laughs> so good. It's it's crazy to think, you know, we had 
Clone Wars Tarkin, and now we have Empire Tarkin, and he's still being Tarkin, and he's just, yeah, he's not impressed with anything that isn't something that he came up with. He doesn't need clones. He's waiting on the Death Star. Maybe, are we going to get Krennic in this show? I hope so. (laughs) I mean, I think Dryden Voss is a given, probably, if they start messing around in the underworld. Yeah, that's true. Well, and this, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, but by the end of the episode, when Crosshair goes full-on villain, he's kind of wearing like a prototype Death Trooper look with his almost black armor and kind of green visor. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that, but yeah, our old friends, the Death Troopers, <laughs> like they're they're not around yet, so I don't know. But yeah, there's we're jumping ahead because there's just so much packed into this really giant size premiere. There really is. It's <laughs> it's such a doozy. They're eating lunch. They're in the mess hall, and we get to some some beautiful Star Wars soup. And some kind of Star Wars bread loaf or something. Yeah. yeah, It's like a bread loaf, some sausages. And we're getting like philosophical debates between Wrecker and Tech, which is one of my favorite parts of the show. Because they're always those two talking I could listen to all day. And I like, too, that the Bad Batch, too, when they're talking to Omega, they're just like, shouldn't you be off with your parents? And she's like, what are parents? There's something about this kid. And like her clone dna she likes to fight a little bit too and starts a fight with some reg clone troopers throwing food at them we eventually get a good old-fashioned barroom brawl and is that the first time that that's happened in a star wars thing i think so just a a food fight in star wars with people well yeah food fight into like a full-on just brawl where a whole you know, a whole restaurant, everyone's punching each other and hitting each other with tables and stuff like. Yeah, it's a very Old West Western cliche. Well, and the whole time, too, we have Tarkin up uh, in the in the tower there like Obi is in uh, Attack of the Clones, just checking out the clones. Except for these clones are a little bit rowdier than the ones that uh, Kenobi was looking at. When I was really hoping, too, we'd see that mid-level clone, the hungry clone. That clone gets no love. He's only in those couple scenes, and then, yeah, he's never been in Clone Wars. He hasn't been in anything. You can't get a t-shirt of the hungry clone. Because technically, he was kind of in Revenge of the Sith, where they supposedly took a scan of his head and Timor Morrison's head, and some of the background clones were like a morph between the two. But, yeah, teenage... Young adult clone just doesn't get enough screen time. There are a bunch of little Boba Fett clones walking down the hallway at one part in Camino, And I was like, come on, we got that Disney Plus money. We can get that mid-level hungry clone, especially in the cafeteria, which is the place where we know the hungry clones hang out. They could have just been some in the background, but no. Maybe they were the other uh, test subjects and they all died except for the Bad Batch. <laughs> they were eating that special deviant seafood. So Tarkin's like, okay, I want to get the Bad Batch in and do like this, like this battle test. And they, they have these prototype dark troopers that are really cool. And they start using live rounds and the Bad Batch prove how cool they are. And Tarkin's still not really impressed. And he's kind of questions their loyalty. He heard about what happened with Caleb Doom. So he's like, okay, Bad Batch, you've got to go to Onderon. And there's like an insurgence there that you got to take care of. 
and like before they're leaving, Omega tries to stop Hunter because Omega has a bad feeling about this and she doesn't want them to go and or she kind of wants to go. And they get there and they think it's going to be droids. But it's not droids, it's Saw Gerrera and his party crew. And that was really cool. Yeah, it's neat they brought back Saw. And I wonder if this is kind of a a hint of stories in the future of them teaming back up with the still more man than man version of saw before he gets completely cyborged out and crazy by rebels time. I was really kind of hoping cause they had like a bunch of people around at night and they had lights up that they were going to say it was saw's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's it's, we're only in the second episode. Did you come here for me <laughs> for my birthday? There's still a chance. We know how much you like a cookie cake. So we got you a cookie cake and it says, happy birthday, Saw. <laughs> For me. <laughs> but no, I love that Saw is like dropping the truth to them. Where he's just like, oh, you believe what Palpatine was saying? Okay. Yeah, Saw being Saw and letting you know how it is. And that they can keep following orders or they can do what's right. So then they go back, they go back to Camino. Omega's captured, the Bad Batch is captured, they failed Tarkin's test, they're talking about treason, and they're all in the brig together. And yeah, there's the part with Omega, and she is saying to Crosshair, like, I know what you're going to do. Which at first, I was just like, oh my god, she's reading his mind. Yeah, I thought that's, I was like, oh, she knows the future, but she also knows... There's chips in his head. <laughs> so they all escape with Omega's help. And out comes evil Crosshair with his toothpick and evil toothpick. Sharpshooting Omega. And they yeah, they all escape basically at the end. It's very dramatic. They fly away with stars in Omega's eyes as they fly away. And yeah, it's it's an amazing 70 minutes, as everyone listening to this already knows. <laughs> Well, and that brings us to the second episode, Cut and Run. So Cut and Run now, is this maybe is our first actual real Bad Batch episode since Aftermath kind of started as a Clone Wars episode and transitioned into Bad Batch. So this one is just, if this is the way the show is, I'm into it. It's like logo, white font with a title and right into the episode. No fluff, no narration, no crawl, just right into business. I really enjoyed this episode because it it really kind of is a sequel to the season two Clone Wars episode, The Deserter, which is insanely hardcore that they went back to Cut and his wife Sue on... Before we started recording, we were trying to figure out how to pronounce it. Seleucuma Minor. Seleucuma. It's super fascinating because the whole theme of the deserter in season two is kind of the fact that Cut made that choice for his life and what he wanted to do for his life and just kind of hang out and be a farmer and get married and that really kind of is the whole thing going on in Cut and Run. Like, Cut and Run kind of seems like kind of a very basic kind of episode where they go to this place and they got to go and they escape and they run from the troopers. And da, da, da. 
But I really feel like there's more going on in this episode, and it's a very, very, very George Lucas thing, like going back to THX 1138 with having the freedom to choose the kind of life you want to live, choosing freedom versus this oppressive kind of society that telling you what you have to be like and what you should be doing. Because you have, like, Omega choosing this new life for herself and the Bad Batch simultaneously with kind of cut in the background who has made that choice. All of that happening, meanwhile, with this story of, like, you know, to leave the planet, now you have to have chain codes and everyone's lining up to get their chain codes because this is just what we have to do. And it's this very kind of oppressive kind of Nazi you're not a name, you're a number. And like we were saying before, like the clones don't have the individuality anymore. They're all just in white. The uniqueness is being sucked out of the galaxy. Right. And well, and it's cool that this episode really is immediately after the last episode. Like we're still watching the first episode and it just goes right into this one. And yeah, seeing kind of immediately after the Clone Wars is over, that all this stuff is just happening kind of instantaneously. And it, it really wasn't gradual. It's like, the, you know, they even say in the episode that, that the uh, the war's over, but the, the troopers didn't leave. They're actually, you know, reinforcements are coming. So, yeah, like you said, we're seeing the galaxy changing and our characters, our main characters are making their choice of how they're going to react to this new world and are they going to choose protecting the empire or or protecting their family which is the choice that cut had to make all those years ago it's great going back and watching the deserter again because cut even says in that episode that he's not a deserter he just had the freedom to choose and i love that in this episode kind of once Omega starts to really kind of feel comfortable with her choice because she's, you know, she's lining up with the cut family. And then she's like, no, 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 no. I want to stay with the Bad Batch. And even before that, it's a subtle thing, but her hair starts to go down and starts to get a little looser. And you even think of like the kind of cold, orderly, way of Camino where it seems like they even say like in the episode like the 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 Camino Caminoans don't make anything without a purpose and Camino kind of feels like a big like high school or something like it's all very you go here you go there you eat your lunch with the trays and you do this and you wear your uniform Camino always kind of felt kind of THX 1138 for me because the world of THX 1138 it looks like Camino. It's stark. It's white. It's cold. And I was like, oh, my God, Omega is like THX. Omega is breaking free. The people in THX 1 and 3, 8, the people that live in that world, they all look the same. They all have the shaved heads. And it's kind of, well, what is beyond this world? What is beyond this society that we're supposed to live in and we're, the way we're supposed to look and the way we're supposed to behave? When you start asking those questions and when you start breaking free of that and, you know, in THX 138, he was driven by love. I don't know. It just made me more into this whole story. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, this is working on some 
real George Lucas stuff. It was meant to be a more philosophical exercise, abstract philosophical exercise about being put in a prison, finding yourself in a prison, asking philosophical questions. You know, why am I here? How did I get here? What am I doing here? What is my place in the universe? And then saying, I'm going to walk out of this prison. I'm going to go into the unknown. I'm going to explore the unknown, which is basically what philosophy is. It asks the hard questions of, you know, what are we doing here? And that's basically what THX is going through in this. Finally, he just gets fed up with all the, the mindless jabber because there's nothing in here that's being said that actually makes much sense. A lot of the reality in this movie is based on belief systems and the fact that if you believe something to be true, then it is. So if you believe you're in prison, you are. If you believe that's a police officer that's dangerous and strong and can beat you up, then he is. But the reality is just the opposite. And at the same time, there's a whiny snaggletooth trying to get on a spaceship who has a weak way friend with a purse. <laughs> and there's a little alien, I think, is that the same as Rats Tyrell's family? Like telling them they need chain codes. It's like it's got all the Star Wars levels going at once. And it's got Cut's children, Cut and Sue's children, who go outside playing with Omega and they're playing a game outside with the ball. So I was all thinking, is, is this the first visual representation we've had of the world-famous game Ball? Come on, let's go and play ball. Keep racing, Annie. You're going to be Bug Squad. It seems like maybe this is a, a variation on the game Ball because no one had a frying pan to hit the ball. And the ball was maybe a little... They would have to have a really big frying pan to hit that ball, so... Seems like they play ball a little differently on uh, on each planet, maybe. That's true. That's true. Each planet could have its own rules for ball. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's early in the in the season, so there could be a, you know someone playing ball every episode. Well, and we can't forget too. There is a Nexu with a mohawk, right? <laughs> yeah. Which you know what I've I got confused. They always have a mohawk, so <laughs> it's just normal old Nexu. But it is funny that in the deserter when they came to this planet. General Grievous finds a reek to ride, and now that they're back here all these years later, there's a Nexu. So this is like Attack of the Clones Arena Planet. So if they go back a third time, maybe they'll find an Ackley hiding in a cave or something. They better. If not, what's the point? And I don't know why I didn't notice in the deserter that Cut and Sue's house looks like a shoe, like a giant shoe. I don't know. And I really appreciate it in this episode when they have to go into town that Wrecker is wearing the customary Star Wars disguise of a poncho. And I love that they're all in disguises, but Hunter, because he has like a skull tattooed on his face, the poncho doesn't help much. <laughs> and he has a red headband with another skull on it. But at least he's trying. He's got the poncho on. He's he's from the C-3PO school of camouflage. But like we were saying in the beginning of the episode, too, when Omega is out there with the Nexu and Cut comes out and Cut is in full dad mode and he picks up Omega and yeah, and Hunter is basically just like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> there weren't dad classes on Camino. This episode is the Bad Batch getting their their Jedi training and how to be parents from from two parents and that, you know. 
what does she say that kid, kids are always going to find trouble? It's your job to protect them. <laughs> but it is, I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool that, you know, this is not like stories have never done this before, but I do kind of appreciate that they're not dragging it on. It's like this episode is like, do they want to be a family? And Hunter's not sure. Omega's not sure. But by the end of the episode, they both make the decision that this is what they want and they want to be together. They're a family now and we're only two episodes in. <laughs> so where are we going from here? It's like two seasons of Mandalorian in two episodes of Bad Batch. So yeah, we're two episodes in. What What's your speculation? Where do you think we got, what, 14 more of these <laughs> to go? Where Where do you see season one of the Bad Batch going? I think the exciting thing is I don't really know. And I wonder, you know, are they going to stick to the more Clone Wars style of having multi-episode story arcs? Are they going to stick to Rebels or Mandalorian where it's kind of a story of the week? Is it the whole season going to be one kind of continuous story? Yeah, I think it's it, it, it feels like kind of with, with the Mandalorian stuff where like, this whole season is going to be the little snippets you see in the, in the trailer. And then you realize that, no, that, that whole story happens <laughs> the first week. And now it's all kind of up in the air. I, I really have no idea. Yeah. I mean, we know from the previews that we know Fennec is coming in. So we know there's going to be some kind of crossover with the bounty hunter world. We know Captain Rex comes in later, so we know like kind of what they were talking about in Cut and Run. Like, oh, you just mix, you just miss Rex by one day. He was just here. <laughs> They're gonna learn more from what Rex saw, from his unique perspective of Order sixty six with with Ahsoka. That will be fascinating, and I I just think they are going to be exploring more of this fascinating period of time. And yeah, kind of like you said, it's. There's the mystery of Omega, and we don't know where that is exactly going to go. There's Crosshair that's after him. I'm sure the new Empire will be after them. Vader is out there. Yeah, and it's, you know, the it's Baby Vader, basically, which that's a whole interesting angle to bring in is if they do bring Vader. Like, this is literally like he's a month old. You know, what, what was that Vader like? Maul's out there doing crime syndicate stuff. Dryden Voss is out there doing crime syndicate stuff. Saw Guerrero is trying to start a, a very early, early rebellion. Is Emphis Nest mom out there doing Emphis Nest stuff? And like, what new characters are we going to get that, you know, I'm sure they're going to be introducing that are going to become new favorites it's the neat thing because we're we're so far away from anything else, any other like landmark in Star Wars history that it's kind of a blank slate with this show. And yeah, we're just two episodes in, and I think I feel like we're all getting pretty invested in these characters. I feel like there's a lot more to to learn about the individual members of the Bad Batch too. I feel like they're still right now kind of caricatures. Like I feel like I want to know more about Hunter and Tech and Echo and Wrecker. Pretty confident we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, it's really exciting that there is kind of 
Yeah, it's wide open, and that you know, there's what fourteen more episodes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That's no joke. <laughs> we're we're going to we're going to get a lot. And shout out to head writer Jennifer Corbett too, who she was writing on Resistance, and she's kind of taking the reins of the writers' room on this one. And so far, so good. I'm into it. Yeah, it's been too long since there's been new Star Wars on TV. It's been like what, like four months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what what did we do? <laughs> How did we survive? But yeah, I don't know. It's amazing. Star Wars Animation's back, and it's better than it's ever been. And yeah, we have three months of new Star Wars to inject into our veins, and I have no idea what to expect, and it's wonderful. is that in the normal course of the Skywalker saga, it's not told, it's skipped over. Um, We have a little bit of the beginning in episode two, and then we have a little bit of the end in episode three, but we never get into the details of what happens during the war. Obviously, during a war, there's lots and lots of stories, uh, very exciting action, uh, drama, um, heartbreak, and comedy. This idea of doing an animated TV series um, was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the, the canvas of what Star Wars is about. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know the deal with Apple Podcast Reviews. If you listen on some sort of Apple thing, a phone or whatever, when you get done listening to this, leave us a little review over there. Give us five stars. Write something nice. And I swear, we're going to read it on some episode coming up soon. And it brings warm feelings to our hearts. makes us so happy when we see those new reviews. And check out our website, lastpointspodcast.com, with the handy search feature if you're looking for an older episode. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you got to be in the Super Chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where the Bad Batch fun is going to be continuing 
with the, the next 14 episodes. We're going to be talking about each and every one of them over there on the Blast Points Army on Patreon. And if you are already a member of the Blast Points Army on Patreon, we thank you so very much. And even though we are going to be up to our necks in Bad Batch episodes, there may even be another special treat coming to Patreon. Some fun surprises. But yeah, that about wraps up number 266 here of Blast Points. Next week, we're doing a little early 44th anniversary celebration for the Star Wars. That little movie, Star Wars. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good. It's a nice one. So... So that's something to look forward to for next week. But until then, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Everybody starts out the same, but in time, as they grow up, they change. One of the keys in doing a movie is you've got to recognize the characters. That was a big challenge, and luckily we had an actor in D. Baker who could do it, and we came with the idea that we could have one guy play them all, and he actually could. You forget when you're watching it that it's all the one guy. In fact, sometimes he's playing good guys and the villain, too, which is then really (laughs) mind-blowing. But yeah, that was a visual challenge. It was an acting challenge, and military personnel have a huge affinity for the clones. It really struck a chord with military families because that idea of being part of a whole but also an individual strikes a very important chord for them. I'm Commander Cody, your new boss. Attention, sergeant on deck. All batteries return fire. Incoming! Move! Move! Go, go, go! Captain, status report. May the force be 